0: Covenant love for us, but we forget. We, we, we forget that um. What the Lord has done, and so we um we've been in this ser- series. Where I feel like the Lord um really has encouraged me to remind ourselves. Where we were at. I think we forget. I mean, I love I love the theme. I think Sarah prayed Jeff's themes about remembering. I felt like the Lord has just been echoing that. Because I feel that my own heart sometimes a disconnect from where the Lord took me from. And I don't know why is that. I don't know if it's just an issue of time that we just kind of tend to forget. But I've been trying to make more intentional effort to remember what Jesus pulled me out of. Because I think that that's the only way to recover thanksgiving. I don't think that there's, at the end of the day, The greatest thing that the Lord has done is not healing me from cancer. That's not the greatest thing. The greatest thing Jesus has done is save my soul from myself, from my sin. That's a much worse
1: cancer.
0: And so, so I think we, you know, I'm really grateful that he's healing my body. I really am. But that pales in comparison to the fact that he healed me from my sin. And if we can remember, if somehow by the grace of God, and I do think it, it, it's something that we can't do in our own strength, right? It just Our minds are so fickle and so like blah, blah, that we just forget. But by the Spirit of God, I believe that the Spirit of God enables us to recall and remember so that we can have this continuous offer of thanksgiving. That is meaningful, That's not, not empty thanks. I think we ought to say, Lord, thank you for what? Um, one minute, it'll come to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, like it should be at the forefront of our minds what Jesus has done for us. Amen? So that we don't ever forget. And I think you could do both. I think you can celebrate and rejoice in all that Jesus is doing in this great future. At the same time, you can remember. And so that you can maintain this foundation of thanksgiving. And so we've been in this series just to rekindle this covenant love with Christ that I think at the foundation is thanksgiving. It, there is this thing. How do you fall in love with Christ? How do you how do you how do, how, where does it all begin? How do you is it just something that happens? No, I think there's a process of remembering the kindness of God over our lives and we become overwhelmed by the kindness of God. And I think let that kindness do its work and before you know it you're in love right it's not this it's not cupid you know i got a, a spiritual cupid looking for an arrow to shoot you no it's just really understanding what christ has done and then being soaked in in that wonderful mercies of god and letting that carry you into depths of love amen so let's read psalm 25 verse 14 the friendship of the lord is for those who fear him and he makes to them he makes known to them his covenant. So we, we, we're, we're still in this covenant theme. We are very much interested in understanding the covenant, but we are also trying to under, understand, Lord, how can we recover this exclusive love for Jesus Christ? How can we enter into this covenant love? And so we read from Ezekiel, because the Lord, com- the Lord is finding the same issues over there in, ex- in the land, in the time of Ezekiel with his people, they have forgotten. So the Lord reminding. His people. This is how the Lord begins to recover and to restore us. He reminds us of something. And again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem. Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. So he's, he's reminding Jerusalem, hey, yeah, yeah, you don't have a Jewish background. You're you're from the Canaanites. That wicked people. That morally perverse people. I'm reminding you Jerusalem where you come from. Your birth, your origin are of the land of Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful time to just look at your word and remind ourselves, Jesus, of where we were without you, Jesus. Help us to recall and remember, God, not just what what you did, you're going to get to that, but where we were at. Where Where did we come from? We were as lost as anyone else, Lord. Our birth was also from the land of the Canaanites. And our father was an Amorite. And our mother was a Hittite. So, Lord God, I pray that you would just encourage us to encourage us to thanksgiving. Help us to remember. Help us not to forget the kindness of God. Help us to bring us back. Bring us back. That song by Andre Crouch, take me back the place where i first met you take us back to that place lord that we might rejoice in all that christ has done for us and so thank you this morning for your great love thank you jesus we pray amen so how does the lord we're just going to go how does the lord uh, just some review here how does the lord um Restores people bad. Well, h- what kind of relationship does the covenant establish between God and His people? And we we basically said that this that the, the, that this was established at the beginning with Adam, God's relationship covenantally. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt faithlessly with me. And this relationship really is an exclusive love relationship with the Lord, for your Maker is your husband. So there's a there's an exclusiveness. God y- there's a love that God wants to cultivate in us that more and more and more and more and more is it, there's it, it, this exclusive it becomes more exclusive. So as the more you walk with God, the more this love is becomes much more exclusive. You know, so that so that eventually our our love will be just all for Christ, completely. Nothing, no other hopes, no other lovers, nothing, nothing else that we depend on. Just simply Jesus Christ. Amen. And I believe the Holy Spirit is doing that work in us. He's doing that work little by little. He doesn't do it all. The, he doesn't do it all at once. He doesn't, he doesn't expect you to be this perfect love object. No, but little by little, little by little, he's. It's like when the children of Israel went into the land of promise, and they went into the land of Canaan, and they and they they defeated the enemy little by little. They defeated the, and they took territory, more territory. And I believe the Holy Spirit at the same time takes more and more territory in our lives, so that we might fall deeply in love with Jesus Christ. It's more exclusive. But then we, we lose sight of that love. And how does the Lord restore us back? And that's where the passage in Ezekiel, we lose sight of what Christ has done. We lose sight of this wonderful covenant relationship with God. We, we lose sight of it. And we just kind of go through the motions. And so the Lord here in, Jeru- in, in Ezekiel, he, he begins this process of bringing them back. And for, so the Lord reminds his people where they came from. They came, uh, uh, they came from the land of the Canaanites. So he reminds you. he's reminding Jews, he's trying to stir up their memory. Look, your ancestry is not with Abraham. Your ancestry was Abraham's descendants. He came from the land of the Babylonians. He, he comes from the Ur of the Chaldeans, right? That land of confusion, hostile towards God. That's your, that's your beginning. Secondly, he reminds he reminds the people that their cord was not cut. Look, I, when I found you, your cord wasn't cut. It wasn't cut. You, know, we, we, you, know, you, you, you were complete, you were still biologically, organically, spiritually connected to everything that is corrupt. It, everything that came from your mom, Hittite, Am- all that was still connected. Not, nobody cut that. You were still dependent on all that corruption of the Canaanites. Same thing with us. When we were born, our card was not cut. We were still organically connected to Adam. And all the, all the wickedness, all the evil, all the corruption of Adam flowed right into us, right? We didn't come in as these mor- morally neutral human beings. No, we had a plumb line straight to Adam. All the death of Adam, everything came into us. We became corrupt. The co- our cord was not cut either. And the Lord reminds him a thirdly. He says, you were not washed with water. Nor nor were you washed with water to cleanse you. Nobody washed the, the baby with water to cleanse him from body fluids of the Hittite mother. No, it was unclean. The Lord of mine, Israel, she was totally filthy and unclean when she came into the world. When we came into the world, we were unclean. Unclean. We were not washed. Amen? We, 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 were, we, were, we, were, we were just completely unclean. And, and for the Israelites and for a Jewish person, They knew what the Lord meant by unclean, right? We had the scripture in Leviticus 10.10, there to distinguish between, right, the holy and the common and the unclean and the clean. So they were taught, you got to make a difference. The Lord says, you got to know the difference between clean and unclean, right? And so there were different ways in the Old Testament that they became unclean. We went through that last week. you You touch a dead body, certain diseases were made you unclean, bodily discharges made you unclean. You know, and um, uh, eating an unclean animal made you unclean. So there are different ways in the Old Testament. But all of that was just types. That was just types of what? The reality of uncleanness. But the, here's the consequences of being unclean. The consequence of being unclean, well, one, that a person was cut off from God. Look at Psalm 24, verses 3 and 5. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has what kinds of hands? Clean hands. If you were unclean, you were cut off, right? And secondly, if you were unclean, you were cut off from the people. Look at Leviticus 7:21. If anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast or an unclean detestable creature, and then eats some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace, of so that person shall be cut off from the people, from his people. That, mean, that means our uncleanness made relationships very difficult. We were arrogant, we were out, right? And so we're going we're to talk a little bit more to understand the nature of our uncleanness. Because I think sometimes we forget. We forget from where the Lord saved us. We forget from how the way we used to be. We were horrible orcs <laughs> apart from Christ. We, there was nothing good in us, right? And we just got to remember. We got to remember what the Lord saved. I think, I think if, we, if we had a vivid picture of our orcness, we would be celebrating every time we come together. that that, that we're no longer like that, amen, that God has saved us, God has set us free, God has given us a new heart, and so today, I want us to look at a little bit more, specifically in our, for us, what does it mean by unclean, know where you wash, you understand all these things that God is writing in Ezekiel, were written for our sake, upon whom the ends of the world have come, Uh, uh, Paul says, So these things are written for us. He's not really, he's talking to a Jerusalem that's really spiritual. He says, you were not washed. And he's reminding Jerusalem, you think that this is an effective, how do I know this is an effective strategy? Because the Lord is using the strategy. He's reminding them where they were from. So I give the the Lord the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing by reminding Jerusalem, by reminding his people, where you came from. And one of the things he said, "You you were unclean. You were unclean. And so the, re- the Lord is reminding us that when we came into this world, not only was our cord not cut, but we were filthy, too. We were unclean, totally unclean. No one washes with water. So, so I want to understand our uncleanness so that, so that we can really put some real meat to this, so that we can be grateful to God. First of all, there's a passive aspect to our un- uncleanness. We've already established that. You know, but it says here, on the day you were born, right, let's go back to e- Ezekiel. Ezekiel um, 16:4, on the day right, on the on the day you were born, n- nowhere you wash, you were not washed with water. So this 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 baby obviously is not going to wash themselves, right? You, you ever seen a baby at at the, at the coming out the womb you know, in the shower? You know, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, that baby, you know, th- it, it, someone has to do this. So there's a passive sense in which there's an uncleanness. On the day that the, the baby is born, the baby was already unclean. They were born into a state of uncleanness. We were born into that state of uncleanness, right? We don't we don't have to do anything. The baby did nothing bad. It's not like the baby got out of the womb, robbed the bank, and then came back and they became unclean. <laughs> you, know, you know, no, the baby was unclean the moment it came out, it was unclean. I mean, if we could get a hold of that, how hopeless our situation was apart from Christ. We were unclean. No chance. You didn't come in like, well, the baby is hes kind of neutral. And then in the age of consciousness and accountability at the age of 12. No, forget about that. Throw that out the window. At the age of zero, he's already condemned. Unclean in the sight of God. Psalm 51. Psalm fifty-one, five. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. In sin, my mother, we were morally, spiritually, filthy, unclean as soon as we came into the world because of the sin of our parents, right? So we inherited the sin of, fact just Adam, right? So we always think of Adam. Adam is the, is, the, is, the, is the federal head, but it trickles down. I passed to my children sin. I passed to my kids sin. The sinful nature of my kids is my responsibility. It's like, it's all coming down. It's all coming down. Right? We, right, we, we, we need Christ. In sin did my mother. He doesn't say, I was conceived. No, in sin my mother conceived me. Right? You know, we, the, human, the human race has fallen. We inherit the sin, and then our our parents inherit from their parents, and eventually it all came down from Adam. So the Lord is reminding us that we were unclean as soon as we came into the world. But there's also an active aspect to our uncleanness. It's not just passive. Some, it's just, there's an active aspect to our uncleanness before God. You know, it's not just that we inherited moral, spiritual uncleanness. but as a, ro- a result of that inheritance, we actively contributed and progress in that uncleanness. That's the way, that we, so it's not, we come into this world, we come into this world unclean, and we continue to invest in that uncleanness by our own behavior. There's an active moral hostility that begins even in the womb. Did you know that? Even in the womb. I know this is my, you know, you, you, you can, I believe the word of God. I don't care what psychology. I believe the word of God. <laughs> Whatever the word of God says. There's an active hostility even in the womb. Look at Psalm 58, verse 3. Psalm 58, verse 3. The wicked are estranged as, as from where? When they come out, five-year-old, they become selfish? No. From the womb, the wicked, well we're all wicked apart from Christ, right? The wicked are estranged. Now that word estranged, sometimes these words um, means hostility. The wicked are hostile from the womb. Now you might do an ultrasound. say, Oh, look at that cute little guy. Right? <laughs> that cute little guy in the womb. But you know what? The Lord sees something different. You and I don't see it. I was thinking about this, I and mean, this is really amazing. You and I don't see it. We're like, he Right. <laughs> but Venus is just but the Lord's So you might say, this sinful nature that we inherited from Adam is real. It doesn't wait for our actions. It's, we get possessed by it, and little by little, that baby starts to form. I don't know how, I cannot tell you how, I'm just going to believe the word of God. He says, from the womb, they're hostile. Maybe not perceptible to the human eye, but God is able to see the trajectories. God sees us. Uh, it's happening again. The virus is affecting us. Right? We, we come into this condition. We're lost. I'm, you understand what Christ has done for us? And that word womb there is actually, I said, maybe womb means, you know, crib. <laughs> no? It means womb. The womb, from that you know that place of um, that you know that cavity inside the females, right, where the unborn child. So there's there's this passive place, pass there's this active um, hostility that leads to our uncleanness, and that's how the condition that the Lord found us. So how does this how does this um, estrangement from the womb eventually man itself after its birth? And this is where I feel like the Lord um, wants us to understand something about our uncleanness. How does this hostility in the womb, right? How does this uncleanness manifest itself? You know, in the Old Testament, if you touch a dead person, you become unclean. If you eat unclean meat, you become, if you have a disease, you know, leprosy, you become unclean. If you have bodily discharge, you become unclean. How about now in the New Testament? How in the spiritual sense, how do we become unclean? How do we become unclean in the spiritual sense? How do we become unclean today, Well, the psalmist tells us they go astray from birth. Now, this is really interesting. Speaking lies. Speaking lies. They are they're estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, starting from birth, and the manifestation of that hostility, of that estrangement is manifested in guess what? Speaking lies. That's very, very Because, guess what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 11. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, makes a person unclean. But what comes, what? Out of the mouth. You know, so we can understand our uncleanness apart from Christ. So we can remember, right? Jesus said it's what comes out of the mouth. That defiles, makes a person unclean. So when the psalmist says they call, they, they go out out of birth, speaking forth life. The psalmist is, is amazing. The Bible that was written, two thousand years, uh, uh, fifteen hundred years before Christ, uh, maybe a thousand years before Christ. So so it's like it's d- Jesus begins to give clarity to this un- this I- idea of uncleanness. That when we come out, apart from Christ, we're just unclean. And you know what makes us unclean? It's not so much what we do. It's what we say. This is revolutionary. When I began to understand what words are, I mean, it puts the fear of God in you. We put so much emphasis on what we do. The Bible puts more emphasis on what we say. That out of the fountain, of our words. That's where you defiles a person. Not that what we do is not important. That's not what we're saying. It is very important. But usually, what you do is often a byproduct of what you have spoken. On the day we were born, we too were unclean. L- look at how Ro- look at how Romans describes our condition. You know, again, I'm 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 trying to bring us back to the realities. Of God. Now, you might say to yourself, I was not that bad of a person. And you could say, well, I'm, I'm going to tell you how the, God, how the Bible describes us, whether you were, whether you feel you are good or not. Like at some point, you got to believe the testimony of God or you're going to believe yourself. Who are you going to believe? I'm going to believe the testimony of God because in my assessment, I'm not that bad. I don't think I'm that bad. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death, right? So th- I, I know when I assess myself, I'm not that bad. I'm okay. When God assesses me apart from himself, I am an utter disaster. And so we got to really come back to the reality, right? Some of us still think we're so good, and that's part of your problem. That's why we suffer so much, because you think you're so good. You should do better. No, but if you, I love it. When I began to realize how wicked I was, there was rest came into my life. I was like, oh. What am I trying? This is ridiculous. I'm an orc on the inside, and unless Christ saves me, I I am utterly hopeless, right? But if we still have a little bit of religious religious morality, you're going to live a miserable life, I'm telling you. Or you will become self-righteous. We're helpless without Christ. We are nothing without Christ. We are wicked to the core without Christ. Wicked to the core, full of every evil thought. Right, and and so we, we we just gotta understand what Christ purchased for us on the cross. We were not that good, but unfortunately, you're gonna have to fight the lies of your own self assessment that says I'm well, I'm not so bad. But this is how Romans describes us. Look at Romans, Romans three verse nine. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. Are we Christians any better off? <laughs> no, we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. All of us are under sin, overpowered by sin. Slaves, to, right? He, Paul is making a point. He's trying to press it. He's trying to press it upon. It, he's trying to press through the arrogance of our own thoughts, right? And let, letting us know, apart from Christ, we have nothing. We are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. And he describes it in tremendous terms, as he quotes from the book of Psalm, as it is written, "None is righteous. No, not one. This is true in every sense of the word. there is none righteous, none of us are right, none of us are good, none of us have nothing to offer God. Absolutely nothing. No one understands) <laughs> Nobody understands. Nobody. If God were to go through every single human being, He would not find one. satanic got someone who understands. Nobody understands. Wow, it's amazing. People, go, I get it. I get it. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> we don't get apart from God. Apart from God speaking. Apart from God bringing light, we get nothing. Amen. No one understands. Verse eleven. No one seeks for God. Period. Nobody. Nobody sees for God. No one understands. I mean, you understand? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> no one understands. No one seeks for God. Nobody has a, a spark of the divine. No, nobody. There's nobody, right? There, there's nothing. There's nothing there. Dead trespasses and sins. No one seeks for God. When I was born, boom, Emmanuel, Never seeks for God. Manuel does not understand. Period. That was my estate. What happened? How did I go from there to here? How did that, how this happen? I was gripped by idolatry, darkness. I did not want to seek for God. Something happened. Amen? All have turned aside. All. They have become worthless. We were all worthless. Unclean. No value. That made us worthless. These are these are questions you have to ask. What is it about? There was no one understood. No one saw God. Not one. No one. Not even one. So can you give? Okay, I get that. But can you give me a little more? Like, what is it about our condition in that state that made us so worthless? he tells you. 13. He doesn't say, oh, they smoke crack. They um, play bingo. They um, went to clubs. No. You know, that's the first thing he mentions. Would not come to the throat. You know, uh, look at David Burker's when he killed all those people. Wow, his throat is very bad. <laughs> I would, throat would not even enter in the conversation. Throat would. But God, you see, God sees things differently. Their throat is an open grave. What goes into gr- what goes into a grave? Live animals. Dead things. They use their tongues how to deceive. The venom of apps is where? Do you see the description? How God sees uncleanness as a verbal vocal mouth reality. how we use our words, right? We're unclean. we were arrogant, right? The venom of apse is under their lip. Their mouth is full of what? What is full of? Curses and bitterness. Filled, right? Our mouths, apart from Christ, we were so given. Now, you might say, here's, here's one thing. Do you know that I don't think I have ever said a curse word in my life? That doesn't mean that I was saved all my life. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Don't think even when I was in school, you know, I didn't I never cursed. But my mouth was full of curses. Does that make sense? It's not about what we perceive. As far as God is concerned, God would have said to me, Manuel, your mouth is full of curses and bitterness. I said, But Lord, I don't say the four-letter word anymore. And the Lord would say, nice guy you know but this is God's testimony look at James 3 5 and 8 James 3 5 and 8 so also the tongue is a small member yet it boasts of great things how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body you see the language they have uncleanness defiling the whole body we, we've got to, you know, the Lord has helped me to realize, just to think back to the Lord, I didn't, I didn't show me because I'm, I'm, I thought I was, I spoke okay. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, did the Mets win? No. Nope. Ah, man. Oh, they should have gotten the second. They don't hit the baseball to the second baseman. You know, those are my words when I was young. Staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, setting on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile, secret, it can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Right? This idea that when the Lord says to Jerusalem, you are unclean. Nobody washed you. When Jesus said that we are defiled by what we speak, what comes out of our mouth, right? He's telling us that, man, our, our mouths were, were, were just full of iniquity, full of arrogance, full of all that, that is wicked. But when we, But you know what? But it's not just what we say that makes us unclean. I want to give you another. It's not just I, I, let's go to Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah chapter six. You know, this is this is um, a really great story, um, and I use this as an illustration to prove, um, you know, I, I think a, a point here that um, how can we understand better our uncleanness of words? Some of us might say, well. I Isaiah 6 is a, it's a really good, helpful illustration to show something here. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And the one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips. Here we go again. I am a man of what? Unclean lips. What? What's with this unclean thing? You know, can we move? T- can we have a different thing? You know? <laughs> I'm a man of a wicked heart. You know, let's just move on from. <laughs> let's get something different. Nope. I'm a man of unclean lips, and not only that, I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king. Okay, so let's, you see, Isaiah uses the same word. Let's go to verse, um, I um, let me say there, I'm a man of unclean. uses the same word, unclean. He refers, he uses the same word that Moses uses in the the Old Testament. So he's using exactly the same word, the same word that is used in the Leviticus chapter five, verse two. So if anyone, if anyone touches an unclean thing, right, there we go. Same word, same word that Isaiah. So Isaiah clearly is is putting himself in a place of um, ceremonial uncleanness. He's not just saying I'm filthy in a generic sense. He's saying that with respect to the ceremonial uncleanness that Moses taught about in, in Leviticus, right? Um, so Isaiah saw himself as um, just unclean in the presence of God. He finds himself unclean in the worst possible place, right? He's in the presence of God, and so you can, you can, you can. Ex- so if, if 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 Isaiah is being informed by Leviticus by the by the Mosaic law. If his mind, which is clearly he's a prophet, so he would know what the what the, what Moses has taught about uncleanness. Um, you can begin for a moment, right, to exp- understand the rush of anxiety that he felt. Can you feel it? You're unclean, and guess what? You are in the presence of God. That's like the worst possible combination, right? Before before you come into the presence of God, there has to be what, cleaning. There's a cleansing, and then you come in, right? So understand that, that, that you don't come into the prince of God. No unclean thing shall ever walk in, right, in Revelation. No unclean thing will ever come in. So so Isaiah, I think, is just gripped by, whoa, this is not supposed to be happening, right? Can you, can you feel his anguish? I'm not supposed to be here, right? So, so he cries out, right, he cries out. In his mind, there is no escape. I'm doomed. It's over. God's laws are permanent, settled forever in heaven. I'm I'm a goner. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm unclean. Right? I mean, it's amazing when, when God visits us, right? Beautiful when we can get a hold, right? We see things. But praise God that there has been a provision made in Christ. If it wasn't for that provision, Isaiah would be dead. Right? Isaiah will be comp- consumed by the presence of God, but a provision had been made. And so, woe is me for my, I am lost. Now, I don't know why ESV puts that, lost. It's just, it just, that's not the word. I am lost? Yeah, you got to do better than that. I am destroyed. That's what the word is. I am destroyed. I'm perished. a stronger word that means I perish, I'm over, I'm done I'm done I'm destroyed it's the same word that is you know Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, same word but notice that the thing that stood out for Isaiah that caused him so much anguish was not so much how he treated people thing that came up in that presence of God the thing that crashed his mind with great force was the way he spoke so that's always been an interesting thing for me I would I would think that if the presence of God manifests I would think about oh I haven't treated this person I've been selfish I've been treating this person bad I, I think that the natural tendency for all of us is to think, oh, I, this is what, I did this bad. I did X bad. I did Y bad. What's strange about Isaiah, he doesn't think about the stuff that he's done. What he thinks about is what he has spoken, what he has used his mouth. And I was like, that's really interesting. Now, is it because he did nothing bad? I don't think so. Um, but what became clear in his mind was how he spoke what, what aggravated his mind was something related to his speech and so we got to wrestle with this what was it that triggered that what was it that that somehow in his conscious awareness he did not think about treating his mom selfishly treating his brother with contempt maybe being a little lackadaisical at work Maybe not dealing, you know, he did not think of anything that he did. He spoke, he, he thought primarily of the way he uses his mouth. So what was it? He saw something of the uncleanness of his words, and it shook him to his core. And not only that, but he implica- he even implicated all the people. So it was not just a personal experience for him whatever that experience in Isaiah, it triggered that even the people were unclean lips. So he could have said, I'm a man of unclean lips, but the people do some really bad things. But he didn't say, he actually combined the two, he said, I'm I'm a man of unclean lips, and the people are also unclean lips. And 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 we got to find out what was it about that experience that triggered in his mind, I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, this will be helpful to us to understand our clean, our uncleanness of lips before Christ, even before, even, even in a greater way. Now, notice in Isaiah one. Let's go to Isaiah one. In the year the kings eye died, I saw the Lord. Um, he says, "I saw the Lord um, sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple." He saw the Lord. He saw something of the of the, of the Lord, the, um, of the majesty of God. Um, um, and now I, I I could I could see that um you know to some extent I could see Isaiah crying out Woe is me I'm a man of unclean eyes I'm a man of unclean eyes right because he has just seen the Lord and, but that's not what he says uh, he does not say that he specifically feels a deep uncleanness of his lips now, now um, secondly um, notice that um the only did hear some speech. The only speech he heard is um, Isaiah chapter 6, uh, 6 verses 2 and 3. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, sees the Lord sitting there, right? Um, the Lord is silent. He doesn't hear the Lord say anything. Right? Um, so I believe that the speech, he was triggered in his mind Something about the seraphims. The Lord is silent. It, we, the Lord will not speak again until verse eight. He, he, see, he sees something in verse eight. You know, look, look at look Isaiah six eight, um, and I heard the voice of the Lord. So in verse eight, but by verse eight, he's already having this experience of unclean lips. So the Lord is silent. All he hears is the seraphims calling back and forth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? The word called there means they cried out. I mean, I don't know about yeah I, I would imagine that these voices were pretty powerful. These seraphims. These are creatures. These are not humans. These are like these are you know. Some some scholars, the word in the Hebrew is, is from serpent. wings, this and that, but they have the capacity to speak, they've been given speech, and suddenly they begin to let it rip, holy, holy, right? the, we can't even begin to imagine the, 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 the power, the the, the, the presence the impact of the, uh, of a voice, right? Of their voices. I don't think that God, you know, would create these voice. Cri- I, I think that there was right, there was something majestic about that moment. They cried out. It's the same word that, that is used in Second Chronicles 32, 18. And they shouted with a loud voice. It was it was so penetrating they shouted with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem right in other words this was this was this was not your typically reserved praise that I might do on a sunday morning this was beyond that they belted it out holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and they called to one another suddenly Isaiah, right, this is all he's absorbing at this moment. He he observes that following the call of the seraphim, that he would begin to confirm what, uh, what he began to feel. The foundations of the threshold, the Bible says in verse 4, the foundation shook. It literally shook. Now, foundations are not easily shaken. It's not like the the windows shake, right? If I tell you the windows shake, okay, it's another if this whole thing shakes, right? Whoa. Foundations don't shake easily. But the foundations of the threshold shook. But here's what gets me. At the voice of the Lord. voice of whom? The seraphim. Wow. This is an awesome, uh, this is a moment, you know, it, we could easily dismiss the Lord, right? Oh, the Lord shook. Yeah, of course, he could do anything, right? I, I think Isaiah is having a, a, a moment of reality, so okay. These seraphim. this all happened to, I don't know at what point th- 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 I think Isaiah is, is he started he, it, it's clicking he understands what's going on he, he understands what this all means for him I hope you can understand what this means for you I know what this means for me and not only that he then observed that the house was filled with smoke which means then that God responded this is the smoke of his presence In other words, God is pleased. The house is filled with smoke. You see the uncleanness of our lips? That's what Isaiah said. Without no restraint, belting it from the depths of their being, and they're not doing it. They're not doing it because they're in church. It comes forth from them. I, I believe that. Oh, forget it. I, do I believe that Isaiah would go into the house, into the temple? Yeah, Shama. Yeah, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm sure he did that, like anybody else. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But this day, he says, okay, this is different. This is real. There's no pretense. There's no selfish ambition. There's no self-consciousness. They're just praising God. They're just revealing and they're declaring the glory of God with such intensity. Focus. You understand? Do you see that? They're not destructive. They're not like, well, Holy, holy, hook! I, I need some water. <laughs> no, they're like they're focused. They're so their entire being is focused on this God. That's the way you praise God. Isaiah was utterly ruined by this kind of speech. I was I'm utterly ruined. best that I can but every once in a while I'm praising God and I'm thinking oh I I gotta I gotta pay that bill and I hate it I hate it I hate it because I want to give everything to him I want to be so focused I want he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy of every ounce of my attention my focus my passion my effect he's worthy No way that I I need to multitask. No. He's worthy. And we long, right? We long. We long to give it all. And while we're in this body, we fight. And we're distracted. And we're pulled. And we come in and we're tired. I don't know about you, but I long for the day when I could come in and be all present and look at God and say, Here I am. Let me join the seraphims. Right that we long to give everything to Jesus. To not to give him the measles of our heart, the crumbs. I don't do that. This is a whole different book. It was so magnificent. It shook. I mean, when God's people praise God, right, there is a shaking. Amen? I mean, there's just, this has been, when there's the force of God's people praising God, you could feel there's a shaking, you know, right? It doesn't happen a whole lot. In a while, the spirit of God inhabits the praises of His people. That's not just poetic; He does inhabit. That's why the whole house was filled with smoke because God inhabits what the praises of His people. And when God inhabits, something's going to shake. Something's going to like right be filled right. So that's, I was studying this not just our curses it's not just the evil things that we say it's what we don't say is that the unclean is when christ found us i i i mean i think about even when i when even when i when even when i became a christian i was still a man of unclean lips because it was so hard for me to praise god and i would hear my my fellow brothers and sisters in church praising god and i'm saying praise the lord Hallelujah. Like, yeah. You know, and I finally had to go to my room. I said, I said, no. This is this cannot continue. I'm going to my room. And I'm gonna belt. I'm gonna belt and I'm gonna belt it up I thank God that my father didn't think I was going crazy. And I began to praise God. Praise the Lord. You are worthy. You are magnificent. Great to in me. I want to praise it with freedom. I want to praise you because you are worthy. You are worthy. Haven't arrived yet, but he began to break and and cleanse me of unclean lips that would not praise him, right? The purpose and goal of our speaking. What's the purpose and goal of speaking? What is it? What is it? Praise God. God's given us a voice. God's given us words to say, "Holy, holy, holy," is the Lord of hosts, and the whole earth is filled with your glory. That's why He gave us, right? That's that's what He gave us our word, our, our voice for, to praise Him. Look at look at Psalm fifty one fifteen, Psalm fifty one. Oh Lord, open my lips. will declare what? What? Your praise. Open my lips, Lord. Open my lips, Lord. Open my lips. Oh, Lord God, what is it? Open my lips. Let me declare your praise. Declare it. That God would cleanse us from any, anything that would keep us from really declaring his praise. Amen? That we could be like those seraphims, you know, so to church, we're so focused on praising God that, you know, that s- 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 someone go on like this and you don't even notice it because you're like so focused. I want to praise you because I don't know about you, I'm easily distracted. That's why I close my eyes. I'm easily distracted. I could be like, oh, praise the Lord, oh, there's three screens. <laughs> just like, our, our minds are like, you know, it's <laughs> just like, Rabbit trails, right? We would praise God. Now, do you remember before Christ came into your heart? How many love to praise God now? Amen. I love to praise Him. So unclean. I didn't care. He did something. He changed us. Amen. Now we can say praise the Lord. Now we can say hallelujah. We might be weak. We might be silent. Might be, it doesn't matter. But at least you're saying it, right? At least you're like, wow, something is happening. Something's changing my heart. Something is making me more. I would Something has happened. Can we give him thanks for that? He's so good to us. Amen. Isaiah 6, and with this we close. Isaiah 6, verse 6 and 7. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongue from the altar. That altar, A provi- God would make a provision for our uncleanness. That altar, is just pointing to that wonderful altar where Christ would be sacrificed and his blood right, would cleanse us. So this angel, he took a tongue, took took burning calls with tongues from the altar and he touched my mouth. And he said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has, has taken away your sin. Is for. Amen. Right? Now, we, we're, now we're free to praise God. In Christ, He's opened up our lips. In Christ, we have a new mouth, a new heart. Amen. Now we, let's praise Him. Let, let, let's magnify God. Amen. Let's not hold back. let, let have, have the seraphim, when you come in here, be so focused on the Holy One of Israel and, and say, Lord, let me not be distracted for these 30, 35 minutes. Let me just rip, let it rip. Amen. Let, 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 let my life be so focused in this moment. Because if you don't do that, I guarantee you, the flesh is too strong. I don't know, but maybe you're stronger than me. I need to pull myself up and say, God, help me. But I need to fight against myself. And let's worship God in spirit and in truth. Let's stand. Let's stand. Abby, if you can come, Abby. Helping you Remember. Life without God. A life without the praises of God in your lives. I'm going to sing that song. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Father, we, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Authentic, authentic relationship with the authentic devotion to you. We are in this body of death that keeps us from ourselves, that keeps us. But I pray and I trust that you are setting us free little by little. That we might worship you in spirit and in truth. To give you thanks, oh God, for all that you've given us. We are so full of ourselves. 20 years of my life. i never really, truly praised you. 20 years of wasted selfish words, uncleanness of my mouth. Never took a moment to really genuinely, authentically say thanks to God. I'm so full of myself. grateful that you saved my soul that you delivered me you put a new song in my heart little did I know that I would sing songs to you Jesus thank you so much for your kindness you've done that with all of us here I just pray that God that we would increase and grow in our thanksgiving to you that we would Lord God never take it for granted Thank you for saving me, saving my soul.